Okay. You want to turn to Colossians chapter 1? I'm going to read verses 21 to 29. I'm actually focusing on verses 24 to 29, but I'm, I'm doing it from verse 21 to keep it in context. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Today I have three points and a conclusion, which is like four points, but I call the last one a conclusion. Is that all right? The suffering of Paul, the suffering of Jesus, the mystery revealed, and then our conclusion. First, the suffering of Paul. The whole issue of suffering is an emotive one, isn't it? People often ask, why is there such suffering in the world? Do you ever get that question? Why does God allow this? Why does God allow that? And, and, and actually, the, 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 this, the quick answer is this. A world that has turned its back on God brings upon it judgment. A world that turns its back on God and lives for itself brings upon it judgment. And actually, that started with Adam and Eve and sin came into the whole world and the whole creation came under a curse. And therefore, suffering is a product of sin. Okay? It's a consequence of sin. And Jesus has come, of course, to transform that. People say, why hasn't God done anything? He did it 2,000 years ago on a cross and he's working it out today. All right? What I'm dealing with today is not suffering in general, but rather suffering the suffering of the church, which perhaps is a little bit more difficult. Do you suffer for being a Christian? Not a lot of you. Okay? The Apostle Paul says he rejoices in what he suffered as he battled to see the Church of Christ established. Understand, he's writing this from prison. He said, I rejoice in my suffering. Now, no one wants to suffer, do they? No, none of us enjoy pain for, their own, for its own sake. Do we? If you do, you need some help. See me after. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was given a commission by God to take the gospel to the Gentiles and see the church of Jesus Christ established all over all the then known world. And he says, I'm to present the word of God in all its fullness. 
Now to do that, to take this gospel of Jesus Christ into a world that has turned its back on God, into a world that, that doesn't want to know God, actually, that set up its own gods, that actually is full of superstition, is quite a challenge. It's not a small thing Paul's been asked to do. To take the gospel would cut across other religions and traditions, what they believe. To take the gospel into the world would confront paganism and the occult. To take the gospel into the world would directly engage with the forces of darkness that are holding this world captive. Not a small thing he was called to do. Yet Paul knew he was commissioned to do that. It wasn't an easy job. But I'm commissioned. People weren't always going to welcome Paul with open arms. Can you imagine going, Paul coming along to people who are worshipping, I don't know, all sorts of pagan gods and Ephesian gods and that sort of thing. And he goes and says, here I am. I have the truth of the, the one true God and the Jesus Christ, his son, the saviour of the world. Would you expect them to go, oh, thank you so much. I just needed to hear that. One or two did. But it wasn't always that way, was it? He was confronting. Confronting all the time. The gospel confronts. Excuse <coughs> me. It confronts sin. It confronts the consequences of sin. It confronts superstition, tradition, things that are wrong, things that are sinful. The gospel of Jesus even confronts human wisdom. Why was Paul prepared to pay the price? Do you think? Why do you think Paul could say, I rejoice in my suffering? Why would he be prepared to suffer? You see, I know so many Christians who say, oh, I know what I'm called to, or I know what God's given me a gift for, I'm called to lead super church. I'm called to be the best. I'm called to raise the dead. I'm called to good. All that's great. But we need to understand alongside calling comes suffering. And suddenly the desire for it. See, if we, we want to see the church of Jesus Christ magnificent in Teesside, don't we? And I'm not just talking about Jubilee. I'm talking about us as a church with the other churches growing and growing and growing and seeing thousands of people born again. Wonderful, glorious Jesus being exalted in the streets. The whole thing getting on the news. Wouldn't it be glorious? Do you think that will come without suffering? It won't. And so we need to understand that the calling we receive brings with it suffering. It's inevitable. What will keep us going? What kept the Apostle Paul going? Why was he prepared to pay the price? You see, the Apostle Paul didn't just get a commission from the Lord when he got saved on the Damascus Road. Paul had a revelation of Jesus. He saw who Jesus is. He understood his eternal purposes. He understood for the first time and experienced the amazing love of God, the compassion God has for a sin-sick world, and this, the, this revelation of Jesus Christ is what changed Paul and made him willing to pay the price. 
we want to see Teesside transformed, the only thing that will keep us going is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Nothing else will do. All the best plans and strategies and good ideas and, and concepts are all fine, but nothing will keep us going unless we have a revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is. The only thing of who, how magnificent Jesus, the one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, the one who paid the price for us, he is magnificent and when we see him, we are changed. And we aren't just changed once, we are being changed through revelation after revelation after revelation. And so we pay the price of suffering, we pay the price battling through things and being rejected that the kingdom may come that the church may be established if you want to read at some point Paul's conversion please do that in Acts 9 it's a great story I'm going to read a little bit more from another part of the Bible in a minute where he tells that story again but I just want to remind you it's fine for you to say, oh, it's all about Jesus then, so if we've got a good vision of Jesus, then we won't mind suffering. Well, suffering's never pleasant. You've got to go through suffering, else it isn't suffering. It's just a theory. Do, do you know what I mean? So, oh, oh, we're called to suffer. It's easy to say today, we're called to suffer. We're sitting here might be a little chilly, but apart from that, I don't know of any other suffering apart from listening to me. Okay, that's the only suffering you're experiencing right now, unless there's something wrong with your anatomy. And that's a different issue. Okay? We suffer, in theory, very easily. Oh, yes. Not, whatever it is, whatever it takes, Lord, I'll follow you. Whatever it means, I'll take up my cross, Jesus, and follow you so easy to say, harder to do. You notice? Listen to Paul's sufferings. I think I read these a few weeks ago, but you won't remember. 2, 2 Corinthians 11, 23-31. Paul says this, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea and I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea and in danger for, 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 from false brothers. Whew. I have known hunger, sorry, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness that God the Father of our Lord Jesus who is to be praised forever knows that I'm not lying. Wow. He could rejoice in that. You feel challenged. I was challenged when I read the word. 
You see, the fact that he paid the price is why he, we're here today. The fact that is that down through the centuries, hundreds and thousands of people have paid the price so that we can stand here today in Christ Jesus. We owe them a debt. Thank you, Lord, that people were prepared to pay the price for the sake of the gospel. And now we're in our generation and we're a people ready to suffer for Jesus, whatever it takes and whatever it means. Aren't we? That was the suffering of Paul. could rejoice because it had this revelation of Jesus and the kingdom. Whatever he faced paled into insignificance when compared to the majesty in heaven. The glorious Jesus Christ. The one, the one who we serve. And so we come to the suffering of Jesus. Now we know how much Jesus suffered for us on the cross as he took all our sin upon and shame upon himself, the ridicule, the beatings, the crown of thorns, the cross, even death itself. We know about that, don't we? Yet here, Paul in verse 24 says that he's, Paul says he's filling up in his own flesh that which is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Now isn't that a strange, strange verse? I don't know if you ever read the Bible and go, I have no idea what that's about. Do you ever do that? Or is it only me? Going systematically through a book, you always have to wrestle her. You look and go, I wonder what he meant by that. What's it all about? Is Paul saying that Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the cross wasn't enough? No. Never. Not for a second. What Jesus suffered on the cross for us has dealt with our sin once and for all time. The blood of Jesus has paid the price for our sin before God. Eternal justice is satisfied. Forever. Done. <sighs> that relief, I, I love that. I love it. Nothing I do as a Christian, however naughty I become, or, or how many weaknesses I have, can suddenly say, oh, I, I didn't pay the price for that bit. No, no, the blood of Jesus shed once and for all time has covered my sin. Now I'm called to live a holy life. I'm called to grow and become like Jesus. But I'm not earning salvation. I'm not earning forgiveness. Rather, I'm living to please God. Totally different. Jesus paid the price. But Jesus is still suffering today. What do I mean by that? Paul tells the story of his conversion in Acts 26. When he's uh, talking to King Agrippa. And I want to read verses 12 to 18 to you. He says, On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king... As I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. 
we all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord said. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from, the, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Notice that although Jesus is in heaven and at the right hand of the Father, he says, of, he says that Paul is persecuting him. Why, Paul, are you persecuting me? Jesus says from heaven. How was Paul doing that? By persecuting the church. Because the church is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We, we are Jesus on earth today. Have a look around. Seriously. Just have a little peep. We are it. As far as Jubilee goes. We are the body of Christ. Okay? So where's Jesus? Is he sat at the right hand of the Father? Absolutely. Where else is Jesus? In us. In his church. Right here. This morning. And you know the church has experienced persecution and ridicule down through the centuries. As the gospel has sought to advance, the church has been had terrible times. People have been put to death. People have been put in prison. In China for years and years and years, you were put in prison to be a Christian. The underground church still is actually illegal. In Iran, you guys will know, in Iran, Christians are now being ar arrested because of their faith. That's how it is. Still today, in parts of the world, people are threatened with death because of their faith. The Church of Jesus Christ comes under persecution, and as it comes under persecution, Jesus himself is being persecuted. The suffering of Jesus continues and will continue until the kingdom comes to its fullness. That is why we, the church, will experience suffering because actually we are experiencing in our flesh the sufferings of Christ. Does that make sense to you? It's like Jesus is still, still being persecuted but now it's the body of Christ on earth that's being persecuted for his glory for the sake of his gospel you see the spirit of antichrist is always at work so when we take the gospel to the ends of the earth we're not just telling people good news we're running right into the works of Satan who is anti-Jesus at every turn 1 John 4 1-3 dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirit's to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world this is how you can recognize the spirit of God every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God 
But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Why are Christians put to death, or put in prison in various parts of the world? Why are secularists and atheists fighting to get prayers stopped in council meetings in the UK? Why is it illegal in parts of America to have prayers in school? Why are people tolerant of all sorts of ideas and philosophies, and yet as soon as you start talking about Jesus, people get, you get a negative reaction? It's because of the spirit of Antichrist that is abroad in the world. At one time in this country, you could go and have an open-air meeting, an outdoor meeting, anywhere you chose, at any time you chose. In fact, when I was a teenager in the Salvation Army, we would have three open-air meetings every Sunday, 10 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 6 o'clock in the evening. And I'd be there, I learned to give my testimony in the open air. You're there, you're about, I don't know, 14, and somebody gives you a microphone and said, hey, I'll give you testimony. You learn very quickly how to tell people about Jesus and what Jesus means to you. And so we'd go to different parts. Every Sunday we'd be doing it. We'd go with a band that played trombone. People would gather around. People would get saved in the open air. There were good times, sometimes tough, but there were good times. Today, it's very different. To have an outdoor meeting, even the Salvation Army have to get special permission. The spirit of Antichrist wants the church to stay hidden away in its building. Why is it that Christians increasingly have trouble wearing a cross at work? You, you wear a cross, you can't wear that. You could put an elephant on. You can be anything you like. An elephant, hippo, spider. Nobody worry about that. But if you put a cross on, suddenly you get a negative reaction. Why is it that Christians aren't even allowed to tell people about Jesus at work? Many people, doctors, different parts, you can't actually tell people, I have an answer for you, his name is Jesus. You do that, you will, you will incur wrath. Why is that? Why is that? You could tell them to go and see X, Y, and Z clever people, the greatest counselors in the world, and you need this therapy and that therapy and all the rest of the therapies, and everybody will say, well done for helping them. You tell them about Jesus, and they'll say, you, you've just crossed the line. Why is that? It's to do with the spirit of Antichrist over and over again. You see, in our society, they're ever so happy for the church to do social action, to get involved, caring for needy people, but as soon as we start telling people about Jesus, they tell us to be quiet. Well, you know what? Jesus hasn't commissioned us to be quiet. He's commissioned us to go into all the world telling people the good news of Jesus and his coming kingdom. Let's never, ever play his game. You see, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. 
and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It's the glory of God the Father. Why do you think the enemy is so keen to stop the name of Jesus? Because he knows. He knows that if Jesus is exalted, every knee will bow. And so we fight. And we suffer. We work hard. Trusting in him and his glory. (coughs) The bottom line is this. We, the church, will at times have to suffer for the sake of the gospel. But my prayer is that we will be able to say along with the Apostle Paul, I rejoice in my suffering. But we'll only say that when we make sure we keep very focused on Jesus. Keep him very central in our experience. Circumstances scare us. Jesus brings us safe. I don't know where you're hiding, but I'm hiding in Jesus. Hidden in Jesus, I can't lose. Hidden in Jesus, I can't fail. Put me in prison, I'm still hidden in Jesus. Put me to death, I'm still hidden in Jesus. Now, look, I'm no hero. I think I said to you before, I, I'm sure this is striped this wide, it's yellow, all down my back. It's, it's just not, you know, I'm, I'm a timid, shy little boy on the inside still. You go boo and I'd cry, which I did. That's just how I'm wired. I can't change that. I can't, you know, some people say, I don't care. I ain't got any of that in me, not an ounce of that in me. I do care and I run. Okay? That's my default position is hide, escape, run, and cry. That, that's who I am. All right? Just understand your leader, you know. The only thing I know is this. We have a Savior, and He's paid the price. And we are hidden in Him. Because I'm hidden in Him, He's the hero. He's the victor. He's the one who has all authority and power. He's the one that keeps us safe. He's the one that lets me sleep night. He's the one, and suddenly I'm safe because I'm well hidden. And I'm sure to stay there. I promise you. Can I encourage you to keep focused on Jesus and remain hidden in Him? There's nowhere else to hide as a Christian. You need to stay hidden in Him for all time. A missionary of years gone by, a man called C.T. Studd, a bit of a hero of mine. I'm going to read about him if you get a chance. He was a well-known cricketer one of the Cambridge Seven. And uh, amazing story, taking the gospel all over the world. But he says this, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. That's the truth. But you have to see who he is first. I need to say to you this morning, if, if you're not a Christian, or if you, maybe you're religious in other ways, I don't know. I need to tell you this. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the third person of the Trinity. 
he laid down all the glory of heaven and he became a little baby and took upon himself human flesh to live as a sinless man and to demonstrate life as a sinless man and then he paid the price and suffered and died in your place and in my place that we may be forgiven for all time. That's the truth. Okay, That's simply the gospel and you need to see who he is and as you see who he is now he's raised back to heaven seated at the right hand of the Father with all glory restored with all the majesty restored he is magnificent a crown of thorns on his head and when he comes again he is not coming as a little baby he's coming with all his angels in all his glory with all his with his crown with his sash with his robe he will be fantastic and magnificent to see he is our saviour he is our Lord and he is the reason we pay the price and he is the reason we will suffer for him to eternity. That, that's who he is. It's magnificent. He's wonderful. I offer you no alternative except Jesus. I offer you no other saviour except Jesus. Just him. Just him. Whatever the question this world has, the answer is Jesus. There isn't another answer. It's always Jesus. Which brings me to my last point, you see, everything we do here in Jubilee hinges on Jesus and who he is. My last point is this, the mystery reveals. My third point before my conclusion. The Apostle Paul talks of the commission Jesus gave him and it was to present the word of God in its fullness. What is the fullness of, the, of God's word? It's the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but has now been revealed to those who belong to Jesus. Wow! Do you realize, right through all the generations of history, until the moment Jesus came and then started his church, there was a mystery. Everybody's saying, what's it for? What's it about? Why creation? What is, how is it? How do we exist? Everybody's asking those questions. And so Jesus comes. And he demonstrates God and his purposes. And he says, I will have a people... So the Apostle Paul's commission to start talking and saying, now we have this mystery revealed. The question that people have been asking for all time is now answered. And it's this. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The purpose of it all was that God could have a people as his very own. It's called the church. The purpose of all of creation, of everything that's happened in all time, is a people. You and me. How do you feel about that? I, I find that remarkable. Especially looking around the people. Seriously, I, I. Do you belong to Jesus today? Then the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's what it's all about. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ 
is God's plan and purpose for every one of us so that we together as the body of Christ can make Jesus known to all the world and we can rule and reign with him forever. We are, as Andy brought this morning, a lighthouse. The church is the lighthouse. The church, not just you on your own, but the church, this glorious group of people called the church, the people of God on the earth today. The Bible talks about the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The church, the church has always been the, God's plan. The mystery revealed is the church. It's the people of God for him forever. To rule and reign with him forever. That was God's plan. You're part of that plan if you're born again. You're just struggling to get to heaven. You've been caught up with God's wonderful purpose to be part of his body today. So you can play your part as we work together to make Jesus known, to shine for his glory. Where does Jesus live? Right here is where he is. God's plan is that as people look at the church, Jesus is revealed. So I say, God's plan through the ages has been to have a people for himself who would share in the outworking of his purposes. Jesus in his church is the mystery revealed. Hallelujah. Sometimes I think we sell the gospel short. We tell people about Jesus, but we don't really tell them, well, say, from what to what, why? You're saved from sin so you can be caught up in the glorious church of Jesus Christ and be part of his body for eternity. That's what, that's why. That's why. You're born again and your eternal destiny is set in the purposes of God. He's called you to himself. This is the mystery. This is what it's been for, for generations. This was the plan at just the right time. He came. He came to save the world, but he came to draw to himself a people from every tribe and nation and people group and culture and background. Large and small, thin and fat, doesn't really matter. Every one of us called together into the glorious church. Lex Mercedes. Anybody know Lex? I'd like to get him here. Has he ever been here? He has. I'd like to get him back. He's written a few songs. One of them is, I have seen the city of God, and I cannot turn away. We want to sing it right now, because I can't remember. But, as I was preparing, you see, when you see the church, when you see Jesus, and you're beginning to realize the glorious thing he's done in terms of Christ in me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's put us together in his body on the earth to shine as a lighthouse for him, to to reveal his glory and his majesty, to reveal his love and his grace and his compassion to a lost and dying world. You think, that's who we are. That's what we're made for. I'm not just made to come to church on a Sunday. I'm not just made to, to, well, I go to my group occasionally and I pray occasionally. No, I'm I'm here to play my part in the glorious revelation of Jesus to Teesside. That's who we are. We shine and we shine and we shine. What I love what Andy said, you see, the the source of the fire, the source of the light, yes, is is obviously Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of Christ, but actually it shines as we work hard. 
you know, you can hide in, we can hide in our rooms. You see, the Antichrist wants us to hide in our buildings, in our little meetings, huddled away. We'll just be nice to each other and pray a little bit. Now, prayer's key, but it's not just that. It's go. It's go into all the world. Make Jesus known. I could become militant <laughs> to the glory of Jesus. We, we're to make Jesus known. We're to shine. How will Teesside see Jesus? Through us. And other ch- churches too. Now come my conclusion. So here at Jubilee, we're not just a bunch of individuals on our way to heaven. As nice as that may be. But rather we are a people together on a mission filled with the Holy Spirit. And each one of us has a part to play. Whatever culture or background you're from, you have a part to play. We don't have passengers in Jubilee. We don't have passengers in the church. We're hidden in Christ. And every one of us have a part to play. We are the body of Christ. You don't suddenly have to become like me. Perish the thought. But even better, I don't have to become like you. God's made us unique and special fills us with his spirit and says now you play your part and you play your part and you know what together Jesus will shine shoulders to the wheel called to purpose playing our part for all time we are not a here today and gone tomorrow people we're not a here today and gone tomorrow people the only thing that concerns me I live in the now remember last week but what I want to do is to be able to look is it, is it maybe look down from heaven, if I'm allowed, if Jesus hasn't come back, in 50 years' time or 100 years' time, and see what he is doing. Because the church is not a here today and gone tomorrow people. The church is here for all time, for the glory of Jesus, and when he comes back, he's coming back for a glorious church, without spot or blemish or wrinkle. And it will be, we, will, we will be ready for it, and we'll be playing our part. But until then, we'll keep playing our part. not how many people we have in the congregation it's how many people are hidden in Christ, joined together filled with the Spirit and working for His glory that's who we are, that's who we're about and that's, that's, I call you to it if you like I call you again to say come on, I'm part of this I'm, I'm built, I'm, this is what I'm here for now God can move us on of course but this is who we are Andy, thank you again for that word. I feel the lighthouse word shines. speaks to us this morning. For our loved ones, he said, but we have to work hard. It's about making choices. You can shine such a lot and never go out the door. Never have such a bright room, but nobody will see it.
We're a people on a mission. What's our mission? It's to make Jesus known in every way, in every place, in our places of work, in our streets, in our homes, wherever we may be. That's all. We've had a man working in our home this week. And uh, doing some stuff in the bathroom with a, a saw and knocking out a wall and a variety of things like that. And I, I've been talking to him. And um, he knows more about the gospel than me. But he's not plugged in. He hasn't stayed the course. I'm on his case. Be assured. Lovely guy. But dissolution. Been baptized. Up and down your street, there's loads of people like that. Loads of people who once have somewhere had a link to church, been involved, maybe been baptized, and today are doing nothing, going nowhere. And their answer is, well, I kind of still believe. It's okay. Kind of ready for Jesus to come again. It's okay. Look, it's not okay. Okay? It's not okay. The important thing is this. We're called to mission. The church is glorious. And people are called to be part of a glorious body of people called the Church of Jesus Christ and to play their part. Not just, I think I still believe. Okay? My prayer is, God, bring back the prodigals but set them on fire. That is my prayer. Set them on fire, God. Tell you what, if God does that, we'll not know what hit them. Because when you've been round the loop a couple of times, you suddenly get ignited and you think, you know what, I've, I've only got this much time left, I'm going to give it all I've got. Seriously. People who've walked away and then come back often, often work harder and are more committed because they know. There were some years when I wasted time. And I don't want to waste time. I want to shine and make sure this lighthouse shines for Are we up for proclaiming Jesus at every opportunity then? Are we up for helping each other grow in God? Teaching one another with all wisdom? Helping, helping each other become perfect, to be presented perfect in Christ? I'm working on it with Simon. And he's working on it with me. We're working together, working at our salvation together. We're encouraging each other along. It's not just my job, it's together. We're a body. We need one another to function. But as we do that, as we work together and as we commit ourselves, so we are part of this wholeheartedly, then Jesus will shine. The lighthouse will shine. And people will see him. And when people see him, they're transformed. That's my conclusion. Apostle Paul says to that end, he labours and struggles with all the energy that Jesus gives. Jesus is at work in our lives. Let's work and let's struggle together with all the energy that he gives. And let's make sure we are filled and filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. I'd like to pray for you before you fill in your cards.
Dear Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you as King. You are magnificent. You are God. Second person of the Trinity. Amazing. Glorious. Beautiful. And you're also a man. Took upon yourself humanity and you died for us. And we say thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice and the price you paid. And Lord Jesus, you've caught, caught us up. You've, you've forgiven us and we are hidden in you and you've caught us up in your purposes and now you invite us to suffer with you as your kingdom moves forward. But we suffer from safety, from a place of safety, not from a place of fear. Lord, I pray you will enable us to face things even this week and the weeks to come with renewed confidence. I pray you will build your church here and I pray, Holy Spirit, you will come upon every one of us and fill us to overflowing with Jesus Christ. You are the Spirit of Christ. Fill us even now. Fill us over and over again every day that we may be the people, the dwelling place of God, the glorious church, the glorious church that you died for. Your church is wonderful. Your church is beautiful. We are the lighthouse set on a hill for all to see. Help us shine, Jesus. Help us shine, Jesus. Come upon us in all your glory and majesty. Help us shine for you, I pray. Even today and every day. Amen. If you'd like to take your card and fill inside B, um, 